0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast.
1: This episode is sponsored by Juve Red Light. You guys know how seriously I take my health routine and red light has been a non-negotiable part of that routine for years. I'm sure you've heard me talk about Juve before. It's spelled J-O-O-V-V and I use it to support healthy cellular function, which is the foundation of health. Having healthy cellular function gives me peace of mind that my body is working efficiently and has the energy it needs to go throughout the day. There are also many clinically proven benefits to red light therapy, and I've personally experienced changes in my skin and hair, and I support my thyroid through red light. I love that Juve's modular design allows for a variety of setup options that gives you flexibility. Plus, the treatments are super easy and can be done in as little as 10 minutes. So all I have to do is relax and let my body take in the light. Juve offers several different size options, including a wireless handheld device called the Juve Go. That's great for targeting specific areas around your body, like sore joints or sore muscles. You can check out all of Juve's products today. And while you're there, Juve is offering my listeners an exclusive discount on their first order. Just go to juve.com wellnessmama and apply my code wellnessmama to your order. Again, that's dot com slash wellnessmama to pick up a juve today and use the code wellnessmama to save. This episode is sponsored by wellness that's wellness with an E on the end, it's the personal care company I co-founded when I couldn't find products that I felt comfortable using on my family that worked as well as conventional alternatives. My focus was figuring out the 80-20 of products that account for the most harmful chemical exposure and making safer alternatives that work just as well. We started out with oral care and hair care and now also have a safe natural deodorant that actually works. By changing out just these products in your routine, you can reduce your chemical exposure by as much as 80% and these products are safe for the whole family. Wellness has three types of remineralizing toothpaste, original whitening mint, whitening charcoal, and natural strawberry for kids. These are all include hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that is found in tooth enamel. So it works to naturally strengthen, remineralize and whiten teeth. The deodorant has a neutral scent and is designed to work without causing irritation like many natural deodorants do. And the hair care is designed as hair food focused on nourishing your hair and scalp for healthier hair the longer you use it. Check out all of our products at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and this episode gets to go deep on a couple of topics I was not at all well versed in and was excited to learn about, including things like melatonin, including high dose melatonin, methylene blue, and then some things I was somewhat familiar with, like photobiomodulation and some other um, more advanced therapies. And I learned a lot in this episode. I'm here with John Laurentz, who is an author, a physician, a lecturer, and a scientific advisor. And he has a really cool story. After he became very ill, actually from birth, and then with other things after that, he began to really explore and research ways to improve health at the cellular level. And this is how he learned about melatonin is basically a core antioxidant that supports all systems of the body. And I will admit, I was skeptical of this going into this episode because I'd always been weary of melatonin at all. And he explains some really important nuance around that. He also has a book on melatonin that provides a lot more information that I got to read that I highly recommend if you are curious about it. Also, we talk about methylene blue, which is something I've experimented with a little bit, but he talks about ways to make it even more effective and what things you would want to specifically use it to support. We also then get to go deep on some more advanced therapies that he uses in his clinic, which is in Sarasota, Florida, and talk about several other really fun topics as well. So very, very fact-packed episode. He is certainly a wealth of knowledge. And as I said, I learned certainly some new things in this episode. I hope that you will as well so let's join John. John, welcome. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Yeah, Katie, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: I am excited to learn from you on several different topics today, actually, but I think for some background and so people understand how you got into understanding so much about these topics, I would love to hear a little bit of your personal story, because I know that was an impetus for a lot of your research.
0: Yeah, so... At a young age, I had some uh, some challenges, right? You know, even before I was born, a lot of people might be noticing that there's a lot of commercials with lawyers looking for people that have been injured in Camp Lejeune. And it was basically the, the the country's worst water contamination catastrophe. And so I was in utero in my first two years of life on Camp Lejeune. And really everybody in my family, my direct family has some sort of a, um, a health, major health issue. My father has cancer and um, I've got one sister who has some health issues and then my mother. And so from, you know, a fairly young age, I, I just remember always kind of having brain fog and I had a lot of ADHD, dyslexia, uh, hyperactive. And so we went to uh, my my father's in the military so we got stationed in hawaii and in hawaii i had uh, such challenges in school that i wound up getting uh, sent to special education classes which in of itself was was quite challenging just from an emotional standpoint and i was able to get mainstreamed out of out of that before high school so my immune system—I—I say—I never really felt like I had a strong immune system. I was always really, really sensitive to to things. And so, fast forwarding into my um, my early thirties, I got really, really sick. And then eventually found out that I had Lyme disease. Then found out that I had mold in my house, and um, that really started—you know—the more recent journey of mine to uh, heal myself from that. And what I discovered through. Really, all of these uh, journeys was some commonalities in what breaks down in the body and what's required to allow the body to heal itself. Because, you know, as a naturopath and as a chiropractor, you know, our philosophies as more holistic uh, practitioners is that the body can heal itself, right? So I, I wouldn't call myself a healer, right? I don't think doctors heal. The body does that, you know, the body has a wisdom and an intelligence. And uh, there's a life force that drives all of that. There's an energy in the body that drives all that. And what happens is the, the body loses that life force. And then the, the full expression of vitality and health, you know, doesn't show up. And so this is this has been, you know, the kind of the emphasis of me and my studies and the books that I write, and uh, the work that I do in the clinic, and different products that that I've been involved in producing through mitosin.
1: it seems like a common theme for many of us in the health world is that we we got into it originally trying to figure out our own issues and then also then have this passion for helping others as well and i love that you come back to that point about healing and that that's sort of the body's natural state is that it wants to heal and that we're working with the body on that that it's not like an exogenous thing But what's really strikes me about your story is that you have managed to do that even with things that you were born with, like conditions that you entered this world with. You've been able to find healing, which I think is really exceptional. And you've written a lot about some of these different ones that you talk about and related to products that you have. I would love to go through each of them because at least a couple of them are pretty new concepts for me, especially the way that you talk about using them. And the first one of those being melatonin and especially high dose melatonin. So I would love for you to start broad on that and maybe walk us through the sort of what's happening in the body when we take high dose melatonin and the benefits, because I think perhaps many people have heard uh, cautions against taking melatonin in any form at all. So maybe walk us through the background on, on melatonin.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Melatonin is the body's master antioxidant. And, you know, I think that word gets thrown around, you know, people will hear resveratrol or, you know, various different antioxidants as being like the master, but really melatonin is the the master Um, glutathione's you know up there as well but literally melatonin sits within every mitochondria so where oxidation is really created is in the mitochondria which is this what they call the powerhouse of the cell and it's it's there within the cell that oxygen and glucose is converted into this very valuable commodity called atp Which is, it's that is life force. That's the energy that's driving everything in the body. And when we have stress in the body, then we need to adapt to it, right? And so this adaptation requires energy. So my belief is that all diseases is really where there's a stressor that the body is not able to um, adapt because it doesn't have the life force to do so. So, when we talk about melatonin, we we look at how melatonin is actually produced in each mitochondria and that there's not a lot of benefit from melatonin besides the circadian rhythm, right? we have We have melatonin that's produced in the pineal, but there's not a lot of benefit unless there's stresses that require melatonin to come in and buffer, right? And in fact, in the early days, when they first started doing studies on melatonin, they discovered that the results were were kind of like lackluster they were kind of looking at these mice and you know mice bec- there's laws that require scientists to to treat and and provide certain environments for laboratory animals which i think is very appropriate but basically these these laboratory animals were like living at the Ritz Carlton you know they they had regular food clean environment and so when they looked at these animals with and without melatonin, they didn't really see anything uh, different. You know, the lifespan was about the same, you know, yada, yada, yada. So what they did is they then redid the tests where they would stress the rodents by putting them into these um, sleeves, like these tubes for a certain amount of time per day, which is like this confined dark environment. And so, uh, what they found was really shocking is that when they did this to the animals, then they really saw a lot of the different diseases that these these rodents were suffering from that would be seen in modern culture were were much more much less prevalent in the in the group taking the melatonin in the lifespan I mean just it was just amazing, and so then they're like, "Oh wow, okay, so melatonin seems to be really, really beneficial." when there's a stress involved and there's a need for adaptation so this is outside of the pineal so this is why the book i wrote is melatonin miracle molecule and it's beyond sleep right so this idea of melatonin just for sleep is really limiting compared to what all of the benefits melatonin provides
1: You're right. I think most people have probably only ever heard of melatonin recommendations in relation to sleep specifically. And like I said, it seems like that even in the sleep recommendation can be a little controversial as far as if taking it. I've heard, for instance, that taking melatonin can downregulate your body's natural production of melatonin. What's your take on that? Or are we talking about it sort of like a different process in the body at this point with these doses?
0: Well, so there's misinformation out there on melatonin. And it's likely, I mean, I would say it's just the vast majority of healthcare practitioners really don't understand melatonin and they're just parroting things that they might have seen without really digging into the research themselves. Mm -hmm. And so there's no toxicity to melatonin. They've done studies where it would be like uh, an adult taking 150,000 milligrams and they just stopped the study because they just assumed And that was also the thing that was overwhelming to me when I went through all of the different studies and, you know, we broke melatonin down into a multiple, um, multiple different chapters as far as like organs and different disease processes that melatonin worked on. And all the researchers concluded at the end of all of these studies, pretty much the same thing, whereas there just doesn't seem to be any toxicity and that further research into this um, would be appropriate. And so the other thing is when you deal with hormones, there's always this concern about a negative feedback. Whereas if you take the hormone, the hormone's going to downregulate your own production. That happens with estrogen and that happens with progesterone and cortisol and testosterone. And virtually all the different hormones in your body have this negative feedback loop. And that really keeps um, things in check, but not melatonin. There is no negative feedback loop. In other words, There is no direct correlation with your production of melatonin and any exogenous use. You will produce melatonin based on the amount of sunlight or photons that enter the eyes and they create a storage of melatonin in the pineal. So then when total darkness hits, then there's the release from the pineal, which is then going to activate you to go into a very deep parasympathetic state, which is opposite from cortisol. So cortisol would be to like the sympathetic nervous system, getting you up in the morning, getting you able to like do and focus on things to the opposite would be the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the part of the nervous system that's extremely important for us to be able to rest and relax and have proper blood flow to our brain and to have proper blood flow to our gut and to our digestive system. To all of our organs, really. Because you think about the parasympathetic being the resting and digesting, and the sympathetic being fight or flight. You know, when you're in a fight or flight state, all the resources are going towards getting away and fighting or fleeing. And so, this is the state that I see so many of my patients in, and so many people in general in today's world. There's just so many different um, stressors that activate the sympathetic nervous system. And so, there's a need for something that's going to strengthen and improve the parasympathetic nervous system to bring things back into balance. And that's where I think melatonin really comes into place. And when you look at the production of melatonin at a young age, and as you get older, I mean, it's just so drastically low by even the 40s. And then when you get into the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, I mean, there's just very little production. So that leaves us really with with the option of, of supplementing. And then when we start thinking about supplementing, we start thinking about, well, are we really just interested in the circadian rhythm? Then lighter doses might be more, you know, might be fine. Or if we're really looking for that total body rejuvenation or that total body effect of stress resilience... And there might be times where we wanna take high doses uh, for periods of time like when we're traveling, right? Versus uh, other times. So there's, there's different thoughts with taking it. You know, There's different ways to go about it. Um, I personally take at least 200 milligrams of melatonin each night. And some of the, mo- the smartest people I know and the biggest researchers like Russell Ryder also takes large amounts like that and has for many, many years.
1: I'd love to go deeper on two particular points. So you said you take 200 milligrams per night. I'm guessing it is still important to take it at night. Like you wouldn't necessarily want to take that in the morning just because of its ability to like lower cortisol and put you in parasympathetic mode, if I'm understanding that right.
0: Yeah. So there are instances where I would recommend like a patient here at the clinic to take it during the day as well. If it was a cancer patient or a degenerative neurologic patient, or just a patient that I really wanted to support to the maximum 20 percent of the population won't be able to tolerate melatonin during the day just because they'll be just so drowsy but what's really interesting as long as there's light hitting our eyes we're not going to have that activation through the pineal so many people can tolerate taking melatonin during the day but there is that consideration about the circadian rhythm and so i don't think that the average person uh, would be a candidate to take it day and night, but it's not something that we don't recommend with some cases.
1: Okay, that was gonna be my next question is if you find that you're tired in the morning from taking that big of a dose, because I think a lot of a few times when I've taken it when traveling, for instance, and I was drowsy, but I also was inside and unable to get light exposure. So that would actually make sense with what you're saying. So as a general practice, even with big doses, you would wanna take it most of the time at night and then get sunlight in the morning to start that process of the body's natural circadian rhythm.
0: Yeah. So melatonin orally is only about two and a half percent absorbed because it's a very delicate molecule. There's so many different nutrients that a lot of people take in supplements that just really don't absorb very well. Um, NAD is a big anti-aging and and health supplement that that doesn't absorb well orally. Uh, Glutathione is another one. A lot of your polyphenols, a lot of the plant you know, the curcumin and resveratrol. And those also don't really make it through the gut very, very well. And so our digestive enzymes break them down. And then our liver also breaks them down through something called the first pass. And so then what's required is literally at the other end of that process is the body has to put things back together. And so it's it's very challenging for these different nutrients. And so I've personally found uh, suppositories to be just such an excellent delivery, and it was something that I discovered early on in my my healthcare journey, specifically with glutathione suppositories. And where you know this is something I could take before I went to bed, and I would wake up and actually feel halfway human. And um, and then so that kind of led to looking into formulating a number of different other nutrients and suppositories, and 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 that's. That's what we've got at the MitoZen, you know, we, we formulate a number of different suppositories. And so rectal delivery avoids the digestive enzymes and it also avoids uh, first pass through the liver. So it's very comparable to if you were to go to a clinic and get an IV, except it might even be better in some ways because that level of nutrient is going to be exposed in your blood for up to five to seven hours whereas if you get an iv usually those ivs drip for an hour maybe 2 hours and so if you're really wanting these nutrients to get into your cells to make the biggest impact on your health then slow delivery over a long period of time is really going to be your um your best friend and that's that's where we we find the suppositories to be and it's really no big deal you know for somebody listening to this thinking oh my gosh you know like i remember the first time you know that that I did a suppository for the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. But it was I found it was just such such not a big deal, and you don't even know it's there. It takes like two seconds to put it in. It melts. It's basically like an oil because uh, it's in like a suspension of oil when when it's placed.
1: And are there differences in dosing that people would use, for instance, for just sleep issues and wanting to improve sleep versus some of these more severe issues? I know you said some people you've sound like in very severe cases could even take it during the day. So it probably very, very large doses, but are there sort of ranges of just for sleep issues versus for other things?
0: Yeah, they've done, um, they've done a lot of research on melatonin where they've done, you know, 10, 20, 40, 60 milligrams, and, and sometimes even higher with some, some really interesting results like for instance, there was a study that they did in Canada on COVID and they were using uh, 40 milligrams of melatonin and they found that it decreased the transmission by 54%. And, you know, when I read that, I was thinking, oh, this has got to make the news. This is going to be something that everybody's got to know about because, you know, even, you know, there was no, and i i try to be careful when i speak about these things you know because we're we're being watched and um you know it can be a, a little bit dangerous i think for some of us to be very outspoken but but it really is sad, very sad so people don't think about melatonin as something that would be protective during an infection there's quite a bit of information in my book about melatonin but if you think about a stressor right we said it's like one of the ultimate stress resilient Molecules. Well, you talk about a stressor and you get like a bad infection, whether it's Epstein Barr or Lyme disease or the common cold or the current pandemic. These things create a tremendous amount of inflammation, and the body has to overcome all of that inflammation and maintain the strength and viability of the immune system. And what happens is there's something called a cellular danger response. And the real scientific word for that is the Warburg effect. And so Otto Warburg was a German scientist and he discovered basically the, how cancer cells really operate. And so like when a normal cell cell turns into a cancer cell, it makes this very specific shift in the way it makes energy. And so some people call this the cell danger response. And basically in essence, what happens is that there's a certain Because all stresses have one thing in common. They all result in inflammation, right? So the stressor initiates inflammation. And it's the inflammation that affects the mitochondria, where it shuts the mitochondria down and it shifts the amount of the um, energy production out of the mitochondria into a system that is only 10% as effective as it would otherwise be. And so this is the cell danger response or what they call the Warburg effect. And this is this is exactly what happens with cancer cells. So this is something that's happening all the time in our body. And there's you know extremes where you get into cancer, but then there's also situations where we might get on an airplane and travel to Europe, and then exposed to all the EMFs and the plane and the the bad air and and the, the mental emotional stress of packing and getting there. Right. So all these things accumulate. And you start to have inflammation, and then we we're worn out and we're on a trip and we're not really feeling as robust and vital as we would like. Well, that's a situation where we could take a little bit more melatonin and find that all of that would be quite different, you know, because we would be able to tolerate and adapt
1: to those stressors. That's fascinating. And it makes sense. I recently had Thomas Seafried on as well, and he was mentioning the Warburg effect in relation to his research on cancer. The way you just explained it, it actually makes complete sense that those things would be very synergistic. I also love that this seems to really highlight also, we know from the research, I'm sure people have heard by now, things relating to the importance of regulating our circadian biology and making sure we're supporting that. It sounds like this is also a key when it comes to if you're going to do high dose melatonin, you need to have those light signaling cues. But I'm curious are there lifestyle, diet, or supplemental things people can do that work synergistically with high dose melatonin or that just naturally help the body's production of melatonin?
0: yeah so if we're talking about the the sleep wake wake cycle, there's a lot i mean, we could get we could get really get into it if that's something that you feel you'd like to uh, really dive into as far as you know sleep, right? So our deep sleep and our our sleep cycle is really it's important to have a level of protection to that. So besides taking melatonin exogenously, we can have there's think about it like signaling so if you were to think that there's like somebody sitting in a cave right and they're like deep in your brain like all the way in the middle of your head right and there's this little cave and there's like this little guy or gal sitting in there and there's a little walkie-talkie and they're like getting signals as far as what's going on out there like I have no idea is it day is it night is it getting close to being night and so the signaling is all is very important there's multiple things that signal us to have this sleep wake cycle where we're awake and we're productive and then we're sleeping and we're really restoring ourselves so like getting up in the morning and getting direct sunlight into our eyes you know we're we're on the walkie-talkie hey it's morning let's get up let's have a strong wake-up signal right And so um, sunrise and sunset have been really important cues uh, as we've developed as as human beings. And so watching the sun rise and watching the sunset, you know, sun gazing, basically there's been some really, really interesting effects that that I've seen with that. Agnahorta is a Vedic practice where they burn this small fire. It's a very bright burning fire that burns for about 12 minutes and you basically stare at it. And uh, we have some, some systems that we're using with our patients with some very specific lights that we have people put at their house um, that they can look at. And it's the near-infrared light that's really the magic, right? So infrared and near-infrared, the, the, the big difference is the near-infrared penetrates much deeper and it's all a lot of the healing principles are in the near infrared right so the sun is about 54 percent near infrared and there's there's different light sources that can be up to 40 42 or so and so we have people using these at home and then if we think about the sun and we think about the blue and the green lights that are going to be really prominent during the day You know, these are really prominent in a lot of our our TV and our computer screens and our cell phones and even in the lights in the ceiling. And so what a lot of people might think about doing is switching all of their lights to a red light at night once the sun goes down. The easiest way I found to do that is to get these remote plug outlets that you could just go onto Amazon Type in remote plug outlets and you get the one that has like six, six plug outlets or whatnot. And then you get little lamps and get red lights and put them in there. And you put the lamps around your house. And then it makes it really easy to turn all the lights on and off. And I've also used like red rope light. Um, I put that like up in the stairs in, in my house and on the balconies outside. And that way you're not getting exposed. You're protecting that sleep wake cycle, which is so important, making sure that you have good coverage on your windows so that it's totally dark in your bedroom is important. EMF can trick the brain into thinking that it's sun because the rays go through and they actually activate your pineal. So turning off your Wi-Fi router at night, you know, those are, I think, some of the easier things to make, to make shifts with.
1: Yeah. I love all of those recommendations. I do that in my home. I don't have timers on them, but I have the daylight Bright, broad spectrum bulbs in the ceiling overhead. And then at sunset, we turn those off and we turn on lamps that have the red light bulbs. And it's amazing, especially in kids. I feel like kids respond so much quicker to everything, but they naturally start to get calmer, more tired. Bedtime is easier when we make those light changes and don't have screens at night. And also to echo your point, when they get morning sunlight, they are more focused and energetic during the day. So am I. So I love those recommendations. I did a whole solo episode just on Morning Sunlight, and I'm a big proponent that if we all just did that, that's a free thing we can all do that makes a huge difference in how we feel during the day. I know we could talk about melatonin for the whole episode if we wanted to, and I'll make sure I link to your book in the show notes because there's so much more than what we've covered but another topic I really want to learn from you about is the topic of methylene blue because I've experimented with it a little bit, but I don't have a deep understanding of it. And I know that you've done a lot of research here as well. So for anyone not familiar, can you start it off by just explaining what methylene blue is?
0: Wow. Yeah. So you're, we're going into my next favorite subject. You know, these two molecules, um, melatonin and methylene blue, it's just so fascinating how they have some synergies together, I believe we uh, We find um, that when we 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 have a train track right behind us. I don't know if you can hear that, but they like to honk right right behind the clinic.:
1: That's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> so the um, the methylene blue works a little bit different, so the the melatonin's in produced in the mitochondria to quench uh, stress, whereas me- methylene blue it gets into the mitochondria and it's it has its affinity for mitochondria so like literally it was originally a staining product they would stain tissues where they would do you know biological studies under microscopes and they would be able to look at um especially like nerves and they found that the nerves just lit up really really blue and so it was mitochondria that the that the methylene blue were particularly attracted to and so the more mitochondria the cell has the more the, the more stained it would become right and paul ehrlich in the 18 late 1800s wanted to develop a cure for malaria and so he was using the methylene blue as a dye so he puts the dye in there and he's about to start introducing a number of different medicines to see what would work as a anti microbial for malaria and as soon as he introduced the dye he was shocked and he saw that that it worked as an antimicrobial so he found his cure with the dye and so then methylene blue was introduced as its first indication was an anti-malarial drug and um, and this is way before the FDA was even any you know even a thing so methylene blue predates the FDA and its safety track is just incredible in fact the term magic bullet was coined uh, about a substance that had far reaching healing abilities to the body but left the body unharmed and they were referring to methylene blue because not only is it antimicrobial uh, it's also it's also an energizer because it gets into the mitochondria what it does is it it acts as a prooxidant and an antioxidant so in other words it donates electrons and allows your cells to make energy independent of oxygen. And this is a, it, it. It upregulates it by about thirty percent. And so, um, most people that take methylene blue might find that they have more mental clarity. They're more focused. They might have um, more physical abilities. They've also done large clinical trials on mood, particularly on uh, on depression and uh, the results were fantastic so methylene blue acts a bit as an SSRI um, so it does enhance mood quite well and it's photodynamic in other words there's different substances that work with light and when certain light frequencies interact with these substances they call that photobiomodulation so it's the ability of light to interact with our cells and our body in conjunction with different substances, which is really, it's kind of the source of my next book I'm working on called Light Hacker's Guide. And we get into all these different different substances. But of course, methylene blue is the most powerful that I found. So when you take methylene blue, and then you also introduce light, particularly red lights, you see a very powerful mitochondrial benefit.
1: So I'm curious about the dosing and delivery method for methylene blue. I've definitely seen and tried the like trokey oral versions where someone ends up with their whole mouth turning blue for a while. I'm curious what in your opinion is the best way to deliver this and what kind of dosing someone should do and maybe any cautions about sourcing, because I know this is something you can also just buy on Amazon from like an industrial supply type place. Is there, are there cautions about where you're getting the methylene blue and the sourcing?
0: Yes. Yes. Um, methylene blue Can be quite toxic if it's bought you know you want the pharmaceutical grade uh so it's you know they sell it for aquariums and so forth because it can keep aquariums clean and microbial free uh, it's healthy for the fish so yeah you want to have a reputable source francisco gonzalez lima is probably one of the foremost researchers on methylene blue and when he was asked um, about sublingual delivery, he was very much, you know, kind of poo-pooed it. He did not feel that the amount of methylene blue would be um, significant getting through, you know, the sublingual. And and I don't think a lot of people really want their mouth turning blue, you know. So it's not very attractive. We created um, a product called Luma, Lumital Blue, and it's basically um, it's held in a palm oil, and so. Um, you can throw it in the back of your throat and then drink something down, and your your throat doesn't your mouth doesn't turn blue. Methylene blue does um, absorb very nice orally. And so dosage wise, we find that that the dosage between like forty and eighty milligrams for most people um tends to really work very well. But the dosage for each individual is going to vary depending on their unique you know makeup. So it's something that, you want to experience, experiment with and then again just like the melatonin there might be times where you'd want to take more for more support um like if you were getting sick or if you were sick you know i would recommend taking a much higher dose and most most sources that i've read feel that between a half a milligram and 4 milligrams per kilogram of body weight is well within the safety zone of taking mel- methylene blue Um, There is a concern of taking very, very high doses of uh, methylene blue can inhibit your ability to utilize oxygen and actually clog up the mitochondria and could lead to death. Um, But you would have to get into some very, very high doses of methylene blue in order to, to have that. So for the most part, I would say dosing at that level, you know, a half a milligram to four milligrams, you're well within the safety. And then Taking a couple of days off every few weeks makes sense because it can start to accumulate in the mitochondria, and it just gives your body ability to purge it out. Your pee will turn blue. You know that can be quite fun in the snow. By the way, I found. (laughs) But uh, and then as the as your urine starts to not be blue, you know that your body's kind of clearing it. So you you will know you know your your body's clearance of the methylene blue just based on that.
1: That's good to know. And I know you have products related to this. I'll link to those as well in the show notes. Um, But it's good to know that you can use oral delivery on methylene blue, even though with melatonin, we mentioned the rectal delivery is more effective. Um, And you have products for both of those, I believe, on your website, right? Yes. This episode is sponsored by Juve Red Light. You guys know how seriously I take my health routine. And Red Light has been a non-negotiable part of that routine for years. I'm sure you've heard me talk about Juve before, it's spelled J-O-O-V-V, and I use it to support healthy cellular function, which is the foundation of health. Having healthy cellular function gives me peace of mind that my body is working efficiently and has the energy it needs to go throughout the day. There are also many clinically proven benefits to red light therapy, and I've personally experienced changes in my skin and hair, and I support my thyroid through red light. I love that Juve's modular design allows for a variety of setup options that gives you flexibility. Plus, the treatments are super easy and can be done in as little as 10 minutes. So all I have to do is relax and let my body take in the light. Juve offers several different size options, including a wireless handheld device called the Juve Go that's great for targeting specific areas around your body, like sore joints or sore muscles. You can check out all of Juve's products today. And while you're there, Juve is offering my listeners an exclusive discount on their first order. Just go to juve.com slash wellnessmama and apply my code wellnessmama to your order. Again, that's J-O-O-V-V dot com slash wellnessmama to pick up a juve today and use the code wellnessmama to save. This episode is sponsored by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end. It's the personal care company I co-founded when I couldn't find products that I felt comfortable using on my family that worked as well as conventional alternatives. My focus was figuring out the 80-20 of products, that account for the most harmful chemical exposure and making safer alternatives that work just as well. We started out with oral care and hair care and now also have a safe natural deodorant that actually works. By changing out just these products in your routine you can reduce your chemical exposure by as much as 80 percent and these products are safe for the whole family. Wellness has three types of remineralizing toothpaste, original whitening mint, whitening charcoal, and natural strawberry for kids, these are all include hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that is found in tooth enamel, so it works to naturally strengthen, remineralize, and whiten teeth. The deodorant has a neutral scent and is designed to work without causing irritation like many natural deodorants do. And the hair care is designed as hair food, focused on nourishing your hair and scalp for healthier hair the longer you use it. Check out all of our products at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E dot And you mentioned that methylene blue is synergistic with photobiomodulation. And I would love to talk about a little bit about photobiomodulation independently and maybe some of the ways that it's supportive because I've talked a little bit about this before and I've written about red light therapy, for instance. But the more I read, the more I become a believer that light is probably one of the most, if not the most important signaling mechanisms for the body. And while we all love to talk about the latest supplement or diet or all those other things, I feel like light is one that is often easier to dial in and potentially more important. But I would love your take on this and any tips related to photobiomodulation use and light exposure in general.
0: So there's a number of different ways to, to utilize light for your health. And the easiest is just to get out in the sun, you know, and obviously there's the concern with going out and getting too much sun is that we burn. And then when our skin burns, it creates a lot of oxidation, which then can repeat exposure can be put you at higher risk for like skin cancer, right? What I found personally is when I'm taking the higher doses of melatonin, I don't burn. And I mean, I I would burn to a crisp in like just an hour, you know, um, especially in my youth, you know, growing up in Hawaii, surfing all day out sailing, you know, I was um, in sailing classes every summer and you know, my face would just turn into one big scab, you know, and, um, and so what's really fascinating is, is I can go out literally all day long and I won't burn at all. I'll just, I'll just, you know, get a nice tan um, because melatonin's protecting my skin, you know, and so getting out in the sun, I think is something that, that is, is really valuable and getting as much skin exposure as you can and not wearing sunglasses as well. When we wear sunglasses, we also create more of an opportunity to burn because the melanin secretion from our skin, which is what protects us, um, that's the tanning mechanism, is triggered from light in our eyes. So wearing sunglasses can actually put you at a higher risk for damage damaging your skin as well, and you're missing out on some of that benefit of the light going into your eyes which we talked about earlier which is building up that melatonin but then there's some really cool like kind of biohacking and different things that we use here at the clinic like we're using intravenous light therapy so we actually have devices that have various colors of light that we introduce into the vein and then we directly expose the blood so our skin was designed to protect us from light right so the skin absorbs you know the first millimeter of skin absorbs like 90 percent of that light and the light that penetrates the deepest is that near infrared and that red spectrum the rest of the, the rest of the spectrums just completely they just don't get through the skin you know no less into the tissues so when you start getting into things like blue light and green light and yellow light and some of the other colors and the ability to Utilize those colors with activating certain nutrients, you know. And in particular, our clinic, we do a lot with chronic infections and chronic, you know, chronic cases, autoimmune and such, which is usually driven by um, infection as well. And so we're using things like riboflavin, you know, and St. John's wort and wormwood, Chinese wormwood or her um, um, artaminosa. There's so there's th- these different, um, nutrients are very photodynamic, and so when you combine those with the different lights very very powerful very powerful intranasal light therapy i think is probably one of my favorite you can do intraoral light therapy you can we we have uh systems where we have a regenerative treatment for the inner ear and we do we do a laser into the ear here called lumamed and there's actually a home device that we'll get people using where it's like a little ear earbud that, that it, it puts um that red light and so we we like to have people on methylene blue while we're doing these so it enhances that photo dynamic aspect rectally or vaginally um we have something called the mito wand that we just um recently started to um carry on on our website and so it's both blue and See, blue is very antimicrobial and blue also works very well with like say curcumin and a lot of plant um, polyphenols to enhance their anti-inflammatory uh, mechanism. And then of course, the red and near infrared is very regenerative and it's also can be anti-inflammatory, can be antibacterial as well, but it really works on that cellular energy. So this mito wand can be used Rectally, we're 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 utilizing it with people with prostate issues, and then vaginally, vaginal wall atrophy or chronic vaginal infections, but also just all of the blood stream, the blood supply there that doesn't have the skin that would be protecting from the sun as much. So you can have the ability to really expose um, your bloodstream, you know, through these routes, which is really, you know, that that's really what our, one of our main goals is when we do intranasal intraoral intervascular we're utilizing um, light therapy uh, through different methods where we go into the joint or along the spine so we have we do a lot of stem cell therapy here and so we may have a case that has like say um a a spinal radiculopathy in other words their their disc or there's some sort of an impingement irritating a nerve And so we may go down there and inject some stem cells right around it under imaging. And then we would feed a catheter and basically shower that nerve root with some light, different light um, spectrums. So the, the rabbit hole goes quite deep. There's a lot of amazing utilizations with photobiomodulation.
1: That's really, really interesting. And I'm glad you brought up your point about sunglasses. I had a holistic eye doctor on recently who said a similar thing of, we're actually short circuiting a lot of the important things happening in the body when we wear sunglasses in the sun. And so even though I live in a very sunny climate, I don't think I even own sunglasses anymore. I found if it's too bright, I'll just wear a hat. And that it really does seem to make you less likely to burn when you are getting sun exposure along with light exposure to the eyes. And then I also like that you brought up the systemic deliveries through like vaginal or rectal methods. I've had other guests talk about that as well for other substances. And it makes sense that you're able to get it in a more systemic way and bypass some of those natural things that would protect against it. And doing that in a very targeted way seems like it could have a very profound effect. You also mentioned your clinic, and I would love for you to just talk about what kinds of things you guys deal with in your clinic and how people can reach out to you if you are even accepting new patients.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do accept new patients. Um So we're in Sarasota, Florida, and uh, we have a regenerative practice here. Um, We also deal with um, cases with Lyme and mold and autoimmune and a lot of degenerative neurologic disorders. I'm a a naturopath, but also a chiropractic neurologist. So I work with a lot of different um, traumatic brain injuries, and we utilize kind of a, a wide spectrum of modalities here so you know we may have cases where i'm using different cranial manipulations and certain neurologic exercises in conjunction with different ivs like we talked about some of the iv one of the ivs that we're really excited about is called luma blue and what this is is we do this high dose magnesium followed by colloidal silver and then after that we we run um, methylene blue And then we run the intravenous laser. And the reason that we're doing the the silver is that silver connects with the methylene blue. It enhances that whole photobiomodulation. Gold does as well, but it's very hard to find gold that you can run as an IV. But the, um, the silver also in of itself is very antimicrobial, but we're just seeing some great results with that. We use a lot of ozone, intravenous ozone as well. We're using something called V cells. Are, are you familiar with V cells?
1: A little bit. I've actually gotten to experiment with one treatment of that, but I would guess a lot of people are not familiar. So, can you explain what that is?
0: Well, it stands for very small embryonic-like stem cells, and so these are normally in your blood, and there's ways to allow them to be liberated so that they're they're able to be utilized. And so, basically, it's a it's a blood draw. There's an activation to that blood, and then they can be injected into joints. And they can be run IV where it goes systemic. And then we have a device that actually lets us home them into very specific parts of the body. Um, we have a protocol called Brain BrainPoint. And BrainPoint protocol allows us to specifically assess an individual and find out what areas of their brain would most benefit from the support with the V-cells. And then we go and home them in directly into those parts of the brain.
1: That's fascinating. It sounds like you guys are doing a whole lot of cutting edge stuff. And and I would guess that we get a whole lot of follow-up questions with specifics for people who are saying, what about this? Or I have this? Or is my case different because of this? Um, so I'll definitely link to your website for your clinic in the show notes. So people can find that. And perhaps we can do round two if we get some specific questions. But I would also love to hear on a personal level with all of these things that you have access to, what your personal sort of 80, 20 or non-negotiables are that you make a regular part of your own routine
0: yeah so um i like to uh sauna with a very high uh powered near infrared sauna Um, i like to use sauna space um sauna space lights are the way that we do some of the morning and evening kind of sun gazing mimicking as well with some of their smaller units which you can see one of them here on the wall here right here it's called the photon And that's something you could just put in your living room or your kitchen and put it on for 30 minutes at sunrise and sunset. And then they have larger units that I I, almost every morning I'll go in there and really sweat and do sauna. Wake up in the morning, I drink a lot of fluid, some electrolytes, I get in front of the sauna. And then I'm also taking methylene blue pretty regularly. So between the methylene blue and the sauna, I'm really getting a very powerful photobiomodulation effect and of course on top of that try to get out in the sun as much as I can but combining that with I'm finding combining that with hyperbaric oxygen I have one of those soft chambers and that just tends to really move the needle I think on myself and a lot of other people that I've turned on to this you know the the hyperbarics are 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 not cheap I mean you could get one I think they're about 15,000 but they last for a long time and an individual that really want is interested in doing some like serious biohacking at home, I would consider getting a sauna, getting familiar with the uh, methylene blue, and perhaps even introducing some of the high- dose melatonin, and then doing some hyperbaric and if if you can't get one at your house, you can find somebody you can go to. but those those I find to be um, extremely, extremely powerful.
1: Awesome. And I know you have more resources available on the website as well. So again, that link will be in the show notes on usmama.fm. A couple wrap-up questions I love to ask, the first being if there is a book or a number of books that have profoundly influenced your life and if so, what they are and why.
0: Well, I think the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl was was really impactful and I find myself quoting that quite a bit just because, you know, this idea that our happiness and and our ability to to be comfortable is really just a personal choice right so victor was in the holocaust and in the concentration nazi concentration camps but he was able to overcome that where a lot of other people weren't just because of his his um where he was focusing his attention and his perspective so you know i like to read a lot on everything from like spiritual but also a lot of science and so um you know, that kind of keeps me fairly balanced doing both.
1: I'm a big fan of that book as well. So very much second your recommendation on that one. And lastly, any parting advice for the listeners that could be related to one of the topics we covered or entirely unrelated life advice?
0: Hmm. Well, I think that having balance in, in your life between what I call the three pillars is really important. And those three pillars are the vitality of the body, which we covered in some depth here and the more vital the body is the happier you are the better you are to your friends and family the better community and then identity you know uh having a positive identity with regards to yourself and the relationship between yourself and other people and then having some sort of a direct experience with the divine you know and having that 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 kind of knowledge that there's something bigger than ourselves that is creating everything, right? And um, for me, I had the pleasure of the opportunity to be in a ceremony where there was a plant medicine um, experience. And, you know, this was a very controlled, there was a very experienced shaman. And um, that was very life changing for me to, you know, really have that experience of. Of the divine. And I think when you can put all of those together, uh, then it's possible for us to achieve our most vital self in this life.
1: I love that. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up for now, but, As also a Floridian. I hope I eventually get to make it to your clinic and check it out. It sounds like you have an incredible setup there. And for any of you who want to learn more, all those links will be in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm so you can check them out. But John, thank you so much for your time today. I got to learn a lot on some topics that were new to me and I'm excited to do more research.
0: Yes, it's been so, so nice, Katie. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
1: And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources